How do you motivate your staff to care about this stuff? I don't know, have you ever said you're smart and I value your opinion <laughs> to a server? I think a lot of us, you know, forget to do that. And I understand why, but I think there is so much to be said for just recognizing you're a person, you must have opinions on the work that you do every single day. So like, let's, let's talk about it. This is Copper and Heat, the podcast exploring the unspoken rules and traditions of restaurant kitchens. I'm Katie Osuna. Guess what? This is the last story in our second season, and it's a two-parter. Back in November, we released this season and called it Overhead. We wanted to talk about all these economic and financial challenges affecting restaurant owners and workers. We've covered quite a few topics related to that, like immigration regulations, tipping, delivery services, and a whole lot of others. The underlying theme has always been the systemic issues that have long been the base for our industry. Over the last few years, the cracks in the system have started to show more as workers and owners do the work to bring them to the surface. And in the last couple months with the COVID-19 pandemic, I feel like the cracks have become like that scene in whatever superhero movie where the entire ground opens up and swallows people whole. I think I can say this is the most challenging crisis the industry has had to go through collectively, at least in a really long time. But we'll make it through. I know we will. It's not going to look the same as it did before, we know that for sure, which is really scary, depressing, and overwhelming. But it's also an opportunity. As industry folks, we're no stranger to challenge. The fact that night after night we get pummeled and keep coming back is what makes us us. We are deep in the weeds right now, but I know that we can come out of it ready to make the new iteration of our industry even better for everyone involved. Like I said earlier, there are already a lot of restaurateurs and workers that have been doing the work before the crisis hit. Today, we're sharing the story of a restaurant that has been doing this. We started reporting the story way back in August of 2019, and it's developed quite a bit over the last few months. It's about a different approach to managing a restaurant than what I have seen at any of my past kitchen jobs. And at this time in history, when the industry is facing the seemingly impossible task of thinking about how to get back to business, it's more important than ever to shed light on different approaches to running that business. So this last story is a two-parter. And we're talking about May May Restaurant in Boston with Chef Irene Lee. We have part one for you today, and part two will be in your feed later this week. On March 9th, about a week before stay-at-home orders were issued and restaurant dining rooms were closed, I was sitting in a conference room in Boston with over a hundred food and restaurant industry folks. Not the safest place to be, I now realize, but I survived. 
We were all there because Irene Lee, chef and owner of Maymay, was doing something that, as far as I know, had never been done before. She was giving a public presentation on the finances of Maymay at an event called Open Book Open House. We have some tape from the event throughout the episode, though the audio quality isn't the best. The event was just so great we couldn't not share some of it. Mamie started as a food truck in 2012 with Irene and her brother and sister. Irene, who has always been interested in social justice issues, saw the industry as ripe with opportunity for making change. The initial focus was on sustainable local sourcing of ingredients, which we'll talk a little bit more about later. But she soon realized... I was really proud of our program and all the farms we worked with, but I had learned about another problem in food, a bigger, stickier, scarier problem that I didn't know how to tackle. And that problem was around jobs. So I turned my efforts to considering how we might turn working at Maymay into a real job. We worked really hard to add benefits and improve employment. In 2017, when we started doing open book management, we created paid opportunities for our staff to learn about business and finance, and we started sharing our numbers with them. So in this episode, we're going to learn a little bit more about this open book management and break down the finances at Maymay Restaurant. You've already heard a little bit from Irene. My name is Irene Lee, and I am the co-founder and owner of Maymay Restaurant here in Boston, Massachusetts. Back in 2017, Irene was trying to figure out how to address some of these big food industry issues, and as she says, make working at Maymay into a real job. And kind of by accident, at the same time, we were also trying to poach this amazing young woman from a neighboring business. And we thought that Maymay was a great fit for her. She was super into farming. And we kind of thought we had sealed the deal. We made her the offer. And then she said, I would love to come work for you. But at my job, I have this incredible opportunity to help run the business. And I'm going to get a payout at the end of the year. So I can't leave. And so I think for us, we were kind of like, well, if we can't have you, maybe we can have that program that's keeping you there. And so that's actually how we first found out about Rethink and felt like, oh, these guys really get it. And so we signed on with them pretty much right away. The program that they wanted to have was open book management. And that's what Rethink was all about. This is where Joe comes in. I'm Joe Grafton. I'm the co-founder and managing partner for Rethink Restaurants. We're a training and consulting business, and we exist to transform the management of the restaurant industry and create millions of career path jobs. You know, we do management consulting and different types of training programs for folks in the area. But yeah, open book is why we're here. Let's start off with the question, what is open book management? In a restaurant, you've got so many different people doing so many different jobs. What would it be like if they actually understood how that business functioned as a business, how their job fit into that business performing and had a reason to participate in the effective running of that business and give them uh, an opportunity to be a voice. Essential to open book management is understanding the profit and loss statement or the PL. At its most basic, all the money in minus all the money out 
And whatever you have left over is profit or loss. So it is the scorecard for business health. Tells us how profitable or not operations are. Joe makes it sound really simple, but these P&Ls can be really, really hefty with lines and lines and lines of different expenses and sources of revenue. And in traditional business models, only a select few managers have access to the whole thing. Even then, some business owners don't have the time or know-how to really dig into the finances. Here's Irene. In the past, you know, between 2013 and 2017, we definitely looked at P&Ls, but I'm not sure that they meant all that much to us. And we definitely weren't doing it regularly enough to see the impacts of the decisions that we had made. So the first time I really dug into the P&L, I think my, my initial thought was, oh my gosh, now I understand why we're paying our accountant so much, because there's so many lines and there's so much detail that goes into it. With open book management, the goal is to get not only owners and managers understanding how to read the PL, but to get frontline staff understanding and participating in changes to make the business run better. The key here is that the staff are part of making the business successful. And then, of course, we have to read the scoreboard and look at how we're actually doing. So we hold periodic reviews where we assemble the whole team, we close the restaurant for two hours, and we check in on the numbers. So the central part of the period review is looking at the P&L. The P&L helps us understand how we're doing and it helps us plan. It's like checking the score in the middle of the game to make sure you don't screw it all up in the second half. That sounds like sports, right? Um, <laughs> so when we fill out our P&L, we like to start with the good news, which is revenue. So in 2019, Maymay did $1,220,000 in revenue. So I'm a millionaire, right? <laughs> Not exactly, right? Don't forget, we have bills to pay. You might have heard this ratio before. 30% cost of goods sold, 30% direct labor, 30% overheads, and then 10% profit. According to traditional restaurant financial knowledge, these are the gold benchmarks of expenses and profit. But over the last several years, as the labor market has tightened, employers have had to make changes to pay people more and offer more benefits, which is great. We want that. But that means that money has to come from somewhere else. So more modern benchmarks look a little different. More like 25% COGS, 35% direct labor, 30% overhead, and 10% net profit. And in reality, it's really, really hard to hit those numbers. So to understand how finances at a small restaurant like May May look, Irene and Joe are going to take us through each of those general categories, like they did at the Open Book Open House. And the very unfortunate reality, as many of you in here know, is that the odds are really stacked against us. Over the course of a year, most restaurants will use about 90% of the money they make to cover their costs. We were taught to think of 10% as a healthy profit margin for a restaurant business. But the reality is that the average profit margin for an independent restaurant is much closer to four to 6%. And so this is hard work, right? And it's even harder when you would like to raise the bar, when you'd like to have higher standards. And as I think a lot of people in this room also know, it can be a little bit lonely. But our open book program at Mene has helped me feel a little bit less alone because it's like we're part of a club and everybody in the club knows how big the challenges are and they still want to make things better. And so tonight, I welcome you to the club. Thank you so much. 
At the event, Irene had us play a little game. So we are now going to put you through a little bit of our open book training with a game called, is this COGS? COGS is an acronym for cost of goods sold. Cost of goods is ingredients and packaging. Anything that is physically sold to the customer. An image would pop up on the screen, Irene would ask. All right, is this COGS? What do we think? In this case, it was a big old tray of dumplings. People would shake or nod their head, put their thumbs up. What do we think? Thumbs up, thumbs down. I see lots of thumbs ups. Great job, everyone. <laughs> yes, it is cogs. And she would explain a little bit about how they accounted for those cogs. Because we sell it. Even the catering tray. That goes to the client and is part of what we're providing them with. Stack of plates? No, it's not cogs. Tray of dumplings? Oh, yeah. An image of Irene holding a takeout box with their signature double awesome sandwich. Trick question. The sandwich and the takeout box, COGS. Her apron and her labor? Nope. So that's the gist of COGS. Part of open book management is teaching the team, the frontline workers who are working with the ingredients every day, to understand what they are and how to look for savings. So, for instance, strawberries. If you go to our website, the top thing on the, on the page is a picture of a strawberry and it says, what makes these strawberries worth $2,800? And it was from our first client. What they found was once they learned about what cost of goods were and like how that piece of the business worked, they realized that like they were cutting the strawberry pretty low. Now it's a dessert cafe, so they made smoothies and crepes. And so almost all the strawberries usable, but they were only using like 70%. And so they ran the numbers and they were like, wow, you know, if we cut, if we, if we just cut it here, instead of here. And it made sense where they cut it too, because you could just line them all up and then boom, 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 right down the line, just cut them nice and easy right down the line instead of having the thing where you're scooping out the top or whatever. Okay, but that's $2,800. So that's what they did at Maymay, empowered the staff to look for these cost savings. About a year into the Rethink Open Book curriculum, we set up a challenge for the team and asked them to try to save us some money on cost of goods sold. And so we split them up into teams that were basically the different departments. And we said, here are the strategies. You can call our vendors and negotiate on prices. You can change the pricing or the layout of the menu. You can implement a waste log. Really, you know, Anything that will impact our cost of goods, we are empowering you to do over the next three months. And we said, any money you save us, compared to how our COGS has been in the past, we will just give to you. And so over three months, they saved us $10,000, which was almost 4%. So they took us from 28% COGS to 24% COGS, and uh, now our COGS number is at 21. So the business was able to pay $10,000 extra to the staff, and of course, we maintained the improvements that they had made, and so we have been benefiting from that ever since. And so one of our employees was able to fulfill a lifelong dream of owning a tortoise, and they got the tortoise off Craigslist and brought her in to introduce her to all of us, and they named the tortoise Cogs. Maymay is now at 21% Cogs. They even focus on buying local and sustainable ingredients, so for them to hit that mark is a pretty incredible feat. This is because of a few things. They have a large catering program that's about 50% of revenue, and the Cogs are lower on that. They also buy a lot of quote-unquote ugly and whole ingredients that end up being cheaper. So they're still able to support local farms. So when we look back at the benchmarks, all right, maybe it's doing pretty good on cost. At 21% as compared to the benchmark of 25%. Okay, 
Let's go back to the benchmark formula we were talking about. First was COGS. Next up is direct labor. Direct labor is the expenses related to the team. Direct labor is more than just staff wages, right? It's all those benefits that we talked about before, and it's payroll taxes. So let's fill in that line, and it comes to $542,000, which is, fast math, you guys, 44%. Um, that's a lot of money. And so when we look at industry benchmarks, industry benchmark of 35%, Big slice of direct labor pie for naming. Um, yikes. 44% compared to 35%. Ouch. So our direct labor for 2019 ran at about 44%, um, which is definitely high, higher than we want it to be. What all is included in that number? Obviously, wages are a large portion of that, about 78%. Payroll tax is another 9%. They pay their staff for the time they spend doing open book training and projects, so that's another 4%, and a few other line items like benefits and healthcare. But of course, that is an area where we feel like if we are overpaying, it's probably in line with our values. So if we were to take away health insurance and other benefits and wages for people working on open book management projects, that would have brought us a little bit more in line, right? But of course, we want those things. Maymay is at the extreme of a national trend. Labor costs are going up, hence why the modern benchmark is higher than it used to be. There was a stat I was reading about the Cheesecake Factory. Okay, and think what you will about the Cheesecake Factory. They were in a great operation. Their labor went from 31 to 32 percent to 35 to 36 percent of total revenue over the last five years. And if they're having that problem, how is an independent, you know, who's making probably less than, you know, a percent of their annual revenue supposed to cope? Employers everywhere are trying all sorts of things to keep people around, including higher wages, increased benefits and so on. But they still have to keep the labor expense in check. But the point of open book management is not just for owners and employers to be thinking about how to save money in the labor department. It's for everybody to be involved in that conversation. They may not love it, but I think people certainly understand it better when you share the numbers, right? So it's like so much of what we talk about, well, why do I have to use the portion scoop? Well, why do I have to worry about when I punch in and clock out? Well, why can't I get overtime? It's all in the P&L. Here it is. This is why. Because labor is at 43% and we needed to be at 38 to hit our plan. If you can have that kind of conversation with people, I'm not saying it solves it all. I think people ultimately will still prioritize their own safety and physical well-being first. And if they're depending on that money, like it's a, it's a hard conversation. But at least we can have an honest conversation and like people can know. A lot of places I've worked have either used tips, better stations, better shifts, or held raises as a way to motivate folks to do their jobs. So if we don't do it that way, how do you motivate people? We'll talk more about that after a quick break. We are so grateful to Paired for sponsoring this season of Copper and Heat. It's thanks to them we've been able to bring you the stories that we have over the last several months. And like us, they've been working really hard to figure out the best way to support the restaurant industry through the coronavirus crisis. What they've noticed now more than ever is the need for us in the industry to stay connected. So on May 1st, they launched a new community platform for you all to connect. Anyone in the food service industry nationwide can sign up to be a paired member and search for nearby jobs, browse relevant content, 
and most importantly, keep up with others in food service in a community you won't find anywhere else online. We invite you to become a Paired member and participate in the community. Get started at Paired.com copper. That's P-A-R-E-D dot com slash copper. Let's get through this together. By opening the financials to the employees at Maymay, Irene and the other managers are able to have more candid conversations about their labor expenses. And since the team at Maymay is trying to redefine what it means to work in a restaurant, some of the more traditional tactics managers use to motivate employees, like tips and holding back raises, don't work. So how do you motivate employees instead? How do you motivate your staff to care about this stuff? I don't know. Have you ever said you're smart and I value your opinion? To a server, um, I think a lot of us, you know, forget to do that. And I understand why, but I think there is so much to be said for just recognizing you're a person, you must have opinions on the work that you do every single day. So like, let's, let's talk about it. And I think that's what Aiden and Liza from our team kind of spoke to last night. Aiden came to us from Cafe Nero. Aiden went to Brown. Aiden is super smart, very critically minded, um, has an incredible sense of humor. And like, yeah, Cafe Nero was not setting up any opportunity for him to actually utilize that. So I think it was such a huge change for him to come to Maymay because right out the gate, we were saying, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? When I first started at Maybe, one of the coolest things about it was the fact that they asked me what I thought about the business. And early on, it was a really scary and intimidating thing because I didn't know anything. And I was like, please stop asking me about this. I'm going to mess the business up. I just want to work in the front of the house. <laughs> but, but now I've done this for a year, two, half, three. It really matters. Um, and it makes a difference. And it makes a difference, I think, in how we treat each other, how we think about the business, and how much I enjoy showing up to work. So Irene has folks working on different projects on the labor front, and she's excited about one in particular. The project I am most excited about is probably going to be like the least profitable one, but it's more about saving on the cost side. So we actually started calculating the cost of training someone from start to finish, and it's a few thousand dollars. So that's not nothing, right? So we've been looking at these more kind of tangible numbers with regards to employment and training. We have a team that is working on like wellness and job satisfaction. I guess what I love most about this initiative is that it's really keeping me honest in a lot of ways because there's so many things that I could say like, oh yeah, I want retirement and then totally lose track of because it's not at top of mind. It's not a revenue generator per se. So I'm thrilled that that there's a team that really wants to be working on this. All these labor initiatives that they're doing at Maymay really seem to be working. Nationwide, the average turnover rate in restaurants is 73%. It's outrageous. But at Maymay... At Maymay, we've calculated our turnover rate to be about 19%. To calculate turnover, you basically take the number of employees that have left over the course of a year and divide it by the average number of employees it takes to fully staff your restaurant. Multiply it by 100 and you get the turnover rate. Let's do a quick math example. Let's say, on average, over the course of the year, your restaurant needs 25 employees to keep it running. And over the course of that same year, 9 employees leave. Divide 9 by 25, 
you get 0.36. Multiply that by 100 and you get 36%. That's like half of the national average. May May is at 19%, which is really, really low. I think for me, the number that is even more meaningful is the tenure number. So when we take the average tenure of all 25 employees, including the ones who started like two weeks ago, our average is a little over two and a half years. You know, for us, we know that compensation is just one part of the puzzle. Workplace culture, relationships to other employees and to your boss, like all of those things make a job livable. And I think that key for a lot of Maymay team members is that they just want a job they're really proud of. I have seen time and time again that the best performance comes not because people are paid well, not because people have XYZ title, but because they believe in what they're doing and they understand that it's a part of something important. Bringing people in and educating them about like, you know, what the costs are and how their job affects it. It also gives them a measure of pride to say like, oh, I did that. I made that change. I made that suggestion. I put that thing on the menu. I got that expense reduced. That's a level of fulfillment, achievement, pride in a restaurant job that we're looking for. You feel like you're part of something bigger. Even if that something bigger is just within the four walls of the restaurant or the restaurant group, you know, like I'm contributing to something bigger and I'm valuable as, as a person, not just as a thing that does a task. Okay, so we've talked about COGS, 21%, and direct labor, 44%. Last expense category in the formula is overheads. Overheads is everything else. It's marketing, it's licenses, it's professional fees, it's telephones. The term comes from what's over your head, the roof and the lights and you know all the things in the space. There are actually over 100 lines of our P&L dedicated to overheads. Boring. Um, so let's just skip ahead to the numbers. I'm just kidding. I'm going to tell you something interesting after. Okay. So for overheads, we are at $400,000 for 2019, and that is 33%. The modern industry benchmark is 30%, so they're close. The overheads for Maymay are things that you would expect, like the $86,000 a year for rent, $22,000 for utilities, Administrative salaries like Irene's, repairs and maintenance are another $16,000, but there are other things that you might not think of, like merchant fees, which are almost $58,000, or almost 5%. And those include things like credit card fees and third-party delivery app fees. It's just all little buckets of money, and some of it you can't really do anything about, right? The thing about overhead is that there are just so many costs. Like Irene said, they have over 100 lines associated with overhead. It's so hard to keep track of all the little things. In our experience, there's easier wins to go after first, right? Like bigger changes coming from adjustments. But again, like many hands make light work, right? So if it's one person just going through the P&L or five people on the management team just going through the P&L looking for things to do, are they ever really going to have time to negotiate the linen contract? I mean, maybe. But if I had a team of people who understood that they were empowered to say, hey, I bet we could find a better vendor or, or reduce our cost here. Or this is out of line with what we should be paying. You know, there's, there's opportunities there for sure. So this is what the team at Maymay did in 2019. Our team 
in a challenge that we did last year, found savings in lines like linen, uh, phone lines, and electricity. So pretty much all the folks sitting right here had some role to play in improving our overheads number. So we think that's pretty Back at the Open Book Open House event, a quick recap. Maymay's COGS are at 21%, direct labor, 44%, and overheads at 33%. Those are all the expenses, so what we're left with is profit. All right. So I think this pie chart is giving away the ending a little bit, um, but let's talk about NOP, or what we might call no. Uh, <laughs> NOP stands for net operating profit. You guys know about math, right? Okay. So what we're left with is 2% NOP. And so we're going to ask ourselves, is Maymay a healthy, independent restaurant? We'll compare what we are doing to modern restaurant benchmarks and I don't know if you guys can see this, my eyesight's not that good, but there actually is a tiny green slice of profit pie. 2% profit. That is not a lot. And earlier in the day, before the Open Book Open House event, Eater published an article about the finances at Maymay as sort of a prelude to the event that evening. And it started a really big conversation and debate on Facebook. A lot of people were like, wow, their finances are super messed up. It's probably worth sharing that, you know, my confidence and my sense of self is like all over the map all the time. Um, I have days where I'm so proud of what we do and I'm like, wow, like health insurance, transit benefits, Maymay is amazing. And then the next day I will be like, I hate myself. I hate this industry. As long as I'm kind of evening out <laughs> to be somewhere in the middle where I can say I am really proud of myself and I am really proud of this business and I have to keep doing things to make this business better. If I can hold those two thoughts in my like tiny reptile brain at once, then I can usually get through the day. Um, but it's hard to have both of those feelings so strongly. I think that what I love is that my employees push me. And I, I don't know that the industry is pushing me, but they are. In the next and final episode in the season, we're wrapping everything up by talking more with Irene about the conversations the Open Book Open House has started. And as we're weathering one of the biggest crises in the restaurant industry, how do we continue these conversations moving forward? Of course, we'd like you to be part of these conversations. And I don't know about you, but I'd love to hear some good news. So if you've heard about someone in the industry doing something really great right now, record a voice memo and send it our way. It could be things like a really interesting pivot that the restaurant you work for has done to keep people employed, or maybe you have a friend that has been super supportive and done something really nice for you that you'd just like to shout out. We want to hear about the good things that are happening in our communities right now. We've also put together a resource page on our website. We're updating it every few days with resources we find that help us all navigate these wild times. Head to copperandheat.com coronavirus. 
If you like the stories you've heard this season, be sure to subscribe to our feed on your favorite podcast app. We're starting to work on season three and we'll be releasing little stories and updates between now and then. Also, reviews are a huge help for us. To keep up to date with what we're doing over the next few months, check out our Twitter and Instagram at Copper and Heat. Overhead, the second season of Copper and Heat is produced by me, Katie Osuna, and Ricardo Osuna. Our story editor is Rachel Palmer. All the music you hear is produced by us under the name Gamma Gardens. Check out other tracks on Instagram and SoundCloud. Thank you all so much for listening. Stay safe and healthy out there.